Uh, welcome to the Courageous Pod on uh, the mic is Corey Thank you for joining me today It's been a hot minute <clears throat> It's been a very long time It's been weeks actually um, A lot has happened since the last time I was on here um, I don't know where to begin What's been going on uh, well, I, I guess I could start with, you know, what's been going on in my life lately. Some positive news. Uh, my wife recently launched a baby clothing line. Um, so we're really excited about that. Some pretty awesome, awesome, you know, clothing items that she's, she's, uh, managed to, um, create. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm just really excited about it, man. Like, my wife is she's one of these. Uh, I don't know what term to use, but she's like a product person. Like she's she's always coming up with like new products, and whenever she gets into this mood where she wants to start marketing the product, it it's amazing to see just how much work she she puts into it. It's pretty awesome. Um, what else is going on? What else has happened lately? Um, oh yeah, I was on Clubhouse recently. Um, usually, I'm, when I'm on Clubhouse these days, I just go there to listen. I'm only I'm only there for the gospels for the most part. I'm not there to engage. Um, but there was this one time, like this past week, that they were having this discussion about. I think it had to do with families and and relationships. And, you know, I have a family. I'm in a relationship. So I was like, actually, maybe this isn't something that I can contribute to. So I hopped on stage. Um, They were arguing about, the argument was about um, needing your mate, needing your partner, or needing somebody in life, needing a life partner. Um, And it it wasn't really clear whether it was within a marriage context or within a relationship context, but... The main point was that you had these feminists that were arguing with these non-feminists, I would say. Um, and the feminists were arguing that, you know, no one should need anyone. Uh, you know, this whole idea of needing someone, it's archaic. You know, like the usual argument. And there was just something about it that I, I found weird. Because it's like, what do we mean no one should need anyone? Like, we're all humans, Right. I mean, we're, we're, we're communal beings for a reason. So I hopped on and I was trying to explain that, look, you know, if you're, if you're in a relationship, that's one thing. But if you are trying to get into something serious that leads into marriage and you want to, like, start a family, this idea of not needing someone is, it's kind of weird. Because we all need people, you know, like I need my family members. I need my brothers. I need my sister. I need my mom. 
Now, you know, they were saying, well, you know, this idea of needing someone, if that person, you know, some, something happens to that person and they die, then, you know, then it, it's, it's like you've already cultivated a life around them and it's not really healthy. I'm like, that's, that's kind of a weird way to look at it. You know, like, what do you mean by, like, obviously, obviously, someone that, someone in my life died, obviously, I would still be able to move on, but that doesn't mean I still don't want them in, in my life while they're around, you know? Anyway, the point I was just trying to make was that, look, we're, we're communal beings, we need people in our lives, we, we need friends, we need, you know, we need to be able to interact. If you had, um, everything let's say a genie showed up and he had everything you wanted in life you had access to everything you all the riches and the only caveat was that you couldn't be around people that was the only caveat for the rest of your life you couldn't be around you couldn't talk to anybody and you couldn't be around people you could see them on tv wherever but you could never be around them you would lose your mind so of course we need people and who better to need than someone that you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with? You know, the point I was trying to make was that I get it. You don't want to be too codependent on someone. But if you're going to enter in, in, into, into a marriage, you're in, in, into a relationship, the, the best way it really can work, at least this is my opinion, the best way it can work is that there has to be some level of codependency. This idea of independence and you guys are just you know they kept talking about partnerships you know they're just in a partnership and you know i'm doing my own thing you're doing your own thing and we're not we're, we're not having to you know fully depend on each other for each other's needs and i'm like what's the point of getting into a marriage like what's the point why even get into a marriage why sign a contract for the rest of your life what's the point Anyway, it was just this back and forth. And then before you know it, it turned into this, it turned into, into the whole patriarchy thing. You know, we have to destroy the patriarchy. And it got even darker. It, it, it got into the whole, we have to destroy the family structure. We have to come up with a new way of, you know, thinking about how we approach these things. And it was pretty much the BLM mantra. You know, you know the whole idea of, um, deconstruction, deconstructing the traditional family structure. That was what it came down to. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? I, I, I never learned my lesson. You, you never argue with strangers online. That's the, that's the lesson here. Don't, don't spend your time arguing with strangers online. It's pointless. I mean, these people were, I wouldn't even call them feminists because I think Everyone should be a feminist. I think most people these days are feminists. Feminist, feminism is believing in the equality of women, equal access, equal rights. I think most people are on the same page with that. Um, I do think the feminist movement has kind of moved into another realm these days. And it's no longer just about equal rights. It's more about, um, at least with some of them, I don't want to paint everyone with a broad brush, but it's become more about destroying the patriarchy and once the argument got to that point you know then you know obviously you had some of these girls or some of these women started 
you know, getting really spicy, like really, like throwing insults. And I'm like, I don't even know you. <laughs> Why am I on here? <laughs> so I hopped off the stage. I'm like, look, I'm not here for the basketballs. I'm usually just here to listen to the basketballs, not to participate in it. So I hopped off the stage and I learned my lesson uh, that, yeah, never argue with people online. But, you know, this this radical feminism movement that's going on these days, man, it's just something about it that's just, it's just weird, man. It's like, I, I know you have men in your life. And you can't tell me that all the men in your life are people that you hate. I, you can't tell me that you want to destroy all of them or you want to, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I get it that, you know, over time, there may have been things within the patriarchy that may have favored men over women. But then you could also say the same for how some other things favored women over men within this patriarchal system that we have. It, it's never so black and white. And I just think people don't really have perspective. Like they don't really have the full perspective on how far we've come and how how much we've been able to accomplish, you know, over the centuries, how we've been able to kind of tame society. And I'm not saying things are perfect. I'm not saying there aren't still areas of the world where things aren't still very, very backward for women. Um, even in the West, I'm sure there, there are areas of improvement. There's always room for improvement. But this idea that we're going to deconstruct or we're going to scrap something you know it's like okay you scrap it then what do you replace it with and then you know when you ask them this question they say stuff like you know yeah we, we just we just we we just want to be able to reimagine you know where we're not really we're not really putting anyone in a box and it's this like free thinking free thought where everyone just gets to kind of do whatever they want to do and i'm like look you can do that in the West, you have the choice to do that. But this idea that you want to get everyone on board, I think you have a long way to go. Like, not everyone is convinced. And this family structure that we have, this patriarchal structure that we have, it is working for some. Now, they would argue that, yeah, it is oppressing others. But that's when the debate gets a little dicey because I don't think it's that simple. I really just don't think so. Especially when you look at the stats, when you look at the amount of, men that die every year <laughs> you know i mean if we're talking about oppression there's not there's nothing that's more oppressive than death you know what i'm saying there's nothing more oppressive than death and men die at a fi far higher rate that that is a fact but the truth of the matter is that we have tamed we as a society and when i talk about the patriarchy i'm not talking about just men this is in conjunction with women too we have found a way to kind of tame society so that we're not we're not we're not at our most savage which we used to be at one point um and people don't understand that and it's hard to really get people to understand that on platforms like clubhouse um truth is clubhouse is no different from twitter um i like what dave Chappelle said the other day on his I said the other day as if i was there uh, i like what dave Chappelle said on his last special where he said look twitter is not a real place it's not yeah, it's a place where ideas get propagated. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't have its powers. It does. You know, it's it's a place where ideas spread. It's a place where news spreads. You know, 
But as far as the representation on Twitter isn't necessarily always representative of what we have in society. In fact, it's usually the opposite. Um, I'll give you an example. Like I, I remember doing the the whole Twitter banning uh, Nigeria saga that happened. Um, well, no, it wasn't Twitter that banned Nigeria. Nigeria, no, twi- Twitter banned Buhari for making certain statements um, about the, that were pretty much he, he talked about the Biafra war or he tweeted about treating people the same way he, um, other people were treated during the Biafra war. It, it was, I would say it was very insensitive and that tweet was, it was open to all sorts of interpretation. I remember this vividly and Twitter responded by, by um, gagging Buhari, I think they they suspended his account or something. I don't I don't, don't remember exactly what they did, but they did something that was pretty much in response to his tweet. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that Nigerians on Twitter were were they were calling for Buhari to be suspended. Like they they hated the fact that Buhari was saying making these comments because they felt like um, the comments were genocidal in nature. In fact, that was what they said. They said they were genocidal tweets, which is debatable, in my opinion. I'm not saying what he said was good, but it was debatable. It wasn't, I, I, it's not really clear that you can say something is genocidal. You know, he was referring to some people that were bombing election offices at the time in the South-South region of Nigeria, which is the same region where Biafra was. Um, and he was saying, look, all these people you know, uh, we will treat them, pretty much saying he will treat them the way that, that others were treated during the BFR war. Basically saying that all these people that were, you know, trying to stoke wars, he's going to deal with them. And because a lot of people see the BFR war as a, as a sort of genocide, a lot of people, not all people, but a lot of people. And I think there's a very good argument to be made about that. I actually think there's a very good argument to be made about that. But the truth of the matter is that it's this is something that's highly debated in Nigeria. And a lot of people don't necessarily see eye to eye on this whole BFR issue. Anyway, long story short, Nigeria responded to Twitter by completely taking Twitter off of Nigeria. Um, and they decided that no one was going to have access to Nigeria. And there was all this hoopla. And I remember around that time, my mom was around. And I told her, I was like, did you hear what was going on? And I, I broke it down to her. And she was looking at me like, first of all, she was like, what the, what the heck is Twitter? Now, keep in mind, my mom is like, she lives in Nigeria. She comes here often, like maybe like twice a year. But for the most part, she lives in Nigeria. And my mom is more representative of Nigeria's sentiments because that's majority of Nigerians aren't necessarily on Twitter like that. It's not... They're not, most Nigerians are hustling. They're trying to figure out their next meal. You know what I'm saying? So she was looking like, so when I broke the whole thing down for her, first of all, she was like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I didn't know about this Twitter thing. That's how, that, and if you were on Twitter around that time, you would think that was all Nigerians were concerned about, about this whole Buhari's tweets and Buhari banning Twitter without realizing that the vast majority of Nigerians do not give a shit. 
And when I even broke down that part about, you know, why I put out these tweets, she was like, yeah, what's wrong with the tweets? And my mom is, she's a Yoruba woman. It's not like she doesn't, it's not like she's like a Hausa person or anything that that has sentiments towards the North. No. Um, it, it's just that the way people saw things back then, it, it wasn't so black and white. Yeah, I do believe that Awolowo, you know, may have used some tactics, very, very questionable tactics uh, to help win that war. Um, and some would argue that some of it may have been genocidal in nature. Um, but with war, man, a lot of things you know, uh, things get murky sometimes. You know, some people make the accusation that the Biafrans, the Biafran people put, oppressed other nations within within that region, other small smaller communities within, within that region and forced them to fight with them. And some of those people were under some pretty bad conditions. So let, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, look, all these people, Things that people talk about and argue about on Clubhouse and Twitter. Most of it is not representative. What ends up happening is that the, the loudest, the most vocal of us end up on these apps. And it gives you this skewed sense of how Nigerians think. But that's not really the case. That's why Buhari could afford to get rid of Twitter and be like, no, you guys are getting out of here. Even though most people still use VPN. But it's very important for people to really have perspective because it's very easy to get sucked into these debates and fights on Twitter without realizing that the real world is different. That's why I, I, I it really resonated with me when Dave Chappelle made that statement. He said, Twitter is not a real place. It's not. It It is, it is not. And, and we need to understand that. Um, so I didn't know how I even got to this, but um, essentially... The le biggest lesson that I learned is don't argue with strangers online. It, it's not, it, it's not a good idea. You you would, you're gonna lose brain cells trying to argue with. Even if, even if you're not even sure, of, even if you're sure of what you're saying, it's still not worth it. There are a lot of people that just go on there to just huff and puff. Um, in any event, though, I still I still enjoy engaging. You know, sometimes. Um, but I try not to get into the arguments because that's where it just it goes down a rabbit hole that isn't very fun. So what else do we have here? Um, oh, yeah. Yo, there was another thing I want to talk about. There's something I have noticed also on Clubhouse is there are these gender wars that go on all the time. And th these are the ones that I usually just go in to listen. I've noticed, right, that there are these factions because you have the feminist factions and then you have the so-called alpha factions, alpha males or the anti-feminist factions, all these men and women online, girls and guys, young, young people. And they spend hours arguing about why they cannot, they cannot date someone like the person that they're arguing with. That's that's all it is. It's like single people spending hours online. It's it's the most bizarre thing, spending hours online, trying like arguing about why they can't date each other. That's that's all it is. That's all the gender war is online. And what I find fascinating is that if they spent as much time online arguing with these people that they hate and detest, 
I'm talking about both sides. I don't take either side. I I find them I listen to these people and I'm like, you guys sound crazy. I'm like, if you guys spent this much time online arguing and debating, if you spent that amount of time actually looking for the people that actually align with your values, you'd be far happier in life. Like, what is going on with social media? I mean, we all know what's going on. We know. And we know that social media has a tendency to to attract or to bring out the worst out of people. It has a tendency to pretty much rage cells. Everything is rage bait. And everything, the way social media algorithms are programmed is is to get as much outrage out of one, one of one another. That's why if you go on clubhouse rooms, the first thing you see is the Glasgow's rooms at the top. You see the rooms where they're, they're like, see like 500 people in there and they're arguing. And I mean, it's it's kind of toxic. I won't lie. It's, it's kind of tough. Even listening to it, that kind of stuff, too, too much isn't good because it's just people just coming at each other. But that's what this algorithm is all about, man. It's, it's, and same thing with Facebook, same thing with um, everything. Instagram is a little different because Instagram is more, I think Instagram, it's more like a place where people show their best sides all the time. They show the most positive things that are going on and people that maybe uh, are not, are not able to share in that experience they have a tendency to be more depressed as a result of apps like Instagram. So all these apps, what I'm trying to say is that a lot of these apps are really just toxic. They're distractions and yet they have their values too. You know, you're able to connect with people across the world. You're able to connect with friends. Um, And this includes WhatsApp too. This isn't just Instagram. This isn't just Facebook. This is all of them. It's, it, 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 there's this addictive thing that is like this. I forgot. It's like a dopamine, whatever that goes in your head uh, when you, when you're using these apps. It's like on on a high, where you know you get these things secreted in your head that make you feel good or that make you feel satisfied in a way. But it's all empty, and the same thing goes for WhatsApp. And that's why I've tried to just. Like everything, man, you need to have a diet of everything. I've really tried to control my diet of everything. Um, I try not to be, I mean, even on WhatsApp, even though WhatsApp is people you know, but it's still the same thing. It's people on there arguing every day. And it's like, that's not really healthy. All these apps, man, it's all it's all being done to like keep us hooked. There's one now that my wife, my wife be on is, it's, um, because, you know, she has this business that she's trying to do. So what she ends up doing is she goes through all these Instagram reels and, like, TikTok um, trends. Um, and she looks for the ones that she can that can help promote our business. So, you know, it's justified. She, she goes on there for a reason. But sometimes she can just be there for, like, hours, for, like, several hours just staring on her phone going through all these reels and you're hearing all these different soundtracks i understood the assignment uh-huh 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 um like just all these random reels and i'm like i get it that yes this is for business you're trying to promote but even this is still it's still a lot it's like come on you need to control this it's like this is is 10 o'clock at night and we're in bed like 
Come on, get off your phone. Um, so these things are very addictive. And I say all this, I say all this because um, Facebook, they recently did a rebrand. <laughs> these people. Uh, so now Facebook is called Meta. And they're coming up with this new social media concept. Um, according to Mark Zuckerberg, it's also, they're still trying to build these apps around people. That's how we put it. It's called Meta. And boy, 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 is this thing disturbing. It is It is disturbing on so many levels. Um, don't get me wrong. It's kind of exciting, too. It's like VR. I don't know if you've seen Ready Player One. That's kind of what it reminds me of. It's like you're in a world. Um, I believe Oculus is the app that they probably gonna, that they're probably going to use. I think I think Oculus is owned by Facebook. It's this thing that you put on your head, and you, it's virtual reality essentially. So we're going to go from being on our phones all day to being in a virtual reality world. And 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 I really wanna I really wanna talk about this. I'm going to play some clips, um, because. I've thought about it, and I'm like, what does this mean for our future? I think there's so many things I can infer from apps like this. Um, where, because I can just imagine people being stuck in these worlds. You can pretty much go into, like, a different world or a different, you know, virtual world and get lost in it. And there's something about it that just just kind of disturbing, man. Is disturbing, but I'm gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna we're gonna come back to that. Um, we're gonna come back to that. So let me play this track. This track that I've been I've been bumping to recently. Um, I like this track. It's called. Okay, I'll be honest. I didn't have a track in mind. I'm I'm literally just looking for the track right now. Um, all right, you know what? I'll play this track. It's the Crazy Things track. Crazy Things by Thames. I love this chick, by the way. I love her music, man. I love that new EP she's got out, If Orange Was a Place. Um, but I'll be back. We're going to continue with this meta, this meta stuff. Somebody's grace, you fit up somebody's grace. Try, try, try. 
much I try, I just want on my back tonight, tonight. So I make it seem, make it seem, I just want to turn my back tonight. found the clip and then it disappeared the it's called the metaverse that's 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 the universe where we're gonna have the virtual reality um but facebook is changing their name to meta um now keep in mind you know facebook owns instagram whatsapp and what's the third one they own again and facebook but now they're gonna have something called Meta. Well, it's gonna—it's all gonna be housed under Meta, and they're gonna have something called the Metaverse. So I'm just gonna show you a little bit of like the preview that he put out. I mean, this stuff is kind of—I mean, I don't know if this is real, like if this is actually what the Metaverse is gonna look like, or if this was just some CGI stuff they put together and they just plopped him in it. Um, but check this out though. Check this out. I think it's I think it's very interesting. But this is the future of social media. Is what are you saying. coming? Yeah, just gotta find something to wear. All right, perfect. Oh, <laughs> oh hey Mark. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Hi. Mark. What's up, Mark? Whoa, we're floating in space? Uh-huh. Who made this place? It's awesome. Right? It's from a crater I met in L.A. Uh, this place is amazing. <laughs> Boz, is that you? Of course it's me. You know I had to be the robot, man. I thought I was supposed to be the robot. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I knew you were bluffing. <laughs> hey, wait. Where is Naomi? Let's yes, call her. Naomi. <laughs> Hey, should we deal you in? Sorry, wow. Late, but you've got to see what we're checking out. There's an artist going around. Can you imagine being able to make pieces for people calls to, to the real world? That's crazy. 3D street art? That's cool. Send that link over so we can all look at it. This is stunning. Okay, that is something. That's awesome. Wow. Oh, I love the movement. Wait, it's it's disappearing. This is amazing. Hold on. Says, you're going to really feel like you're wow. there with other people. You you'll like see their here, facial expressions, you'll love. see their body language. Huh, let's see it. Koi fish that fly? 
That's new. This is wild. Hey, one sec, Boz. It's Priscilla. Hey, you have to see this. Beast see, that was a WhatsApp crazy. call. Oh, I love that guy. So they're just gonna mesh everything together. They're probably gonna mesh the real world with, with it too. All right, see you at home. This place is great, Boz, but there's something I gotta get back to. So that's a glimpse of a few ways that we're going to be able to get together and socialize in the metaverse. I'm not even going to lie. That, that shit is alluring. That shit looks like I, I want to try that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't even front. I want to try it out. It looks good. Um, um, I do still have my uh, reservations, too, uh, just because of how addictive these social media apps have become. And now they're creating creating an app where you get to be in a virtual world and you have that much more reason to ignore reality. I think it's kind of it's kind of disturbing at the same time as it is um alluring. Uh I, I'm torn on this one, man. I'm torn because anytime I watch videos I'm like, oh gosh, that looks good. And anytime I I step away and I start thinking about, you know, how how quickly people will get addicted to this kind of stuff. I can you can just see it. Um, Mark Zuckerberg is about to own us all, man. <laughs> He's about to own us with this stuff. For all you people that can't take, you know, how you can't afford uh, space flights to Mars on on Elon Musk's spaceship. This would be the alternative. You could just virtual reality into space. Um, it's very interesting stuff, man. It's really, really interesting stuff. Uh, there's another video that I saw that I thought was, I thought was, um, yeah, people have been making jokes. Some people have been calling it the Matrix. Like, literally, it's going to be like the Matrix, which there's some truth to that. It's like everyone's going to be plugged into this new system. Before you know it, people are going to start making money. It's going to be like some, it's going to make, they're going to make commerce within that system. Ah, man, this man is about to own us. He's about to own all our money. This is, it's visionary though, but it's, I also sometimes, I, I also wonder if this is also, if this isn't just a pipe dream too, like how far along are they with this? You know, you know, I also wonder, is this, is this, is this, cause he's been in the news a lot. Facebook has been in the news a lot with a lot of their, their practices, very questionable terms, uh, questionable business practices. You know, I wonder if this is also like a way to distract from a lot of those things. Um, there was some news stories that came out recently. Some of them kind of damaging for Facebook's reputation, but Facebook Mark Mark Zuckerberg has been getting a lot of hits lately, a lot of hits in the in the in the news. Some of them fair, some of them unfair. Um, you know, with all, especially like with the election manipulations. I mean, he he really went through it during that time. Then you had that whistleblower that came out, the lady. Um which I thought was full of shit, you know, because, you know, she was kind of, she was kind of in favor of some level of censorship within Facebook. And me, I'm a, I'm a free speech absolutist. 
um, as long as it's not um, shouting fire in a cinema or in a crowded building, um, I don't believe in censoring anything. I don't believe in censoring anybody. Um, so yeah, the lady that came out, the whistleblower that had worked off of Facebook, I thought she was full of shit. Um, she, she was kind of cherry picking exactly what she found concerning. And then there were some things that she was on board with that I'm just like, well, why did you do that? Uh, I didn't really find her credible. That's just me though. Um, okay. This is another video of meta where he's like, he's going from the real world to the virtual world. Again, I, I don't know how for real this is but it looks amazing though um he also had like some videos where he just looked really he was speaking really awkwardly oh look at him oh yeah the, the people are making jokes about you know that i think there was like hot sauce on one of the bookshelves um and i think they planted it there on purpose just to get people talking i guess i don't know sir what would they see? Make we they see. Maybe they see as they go. I'm trying to see if I can find another interesting clip from the meta rollout. Right, so let's start out. by exploring what different kinds of metaverse experiences could feel like. Starting with the most important experience of all, connecting with people. Imagine you put on your glasses or headset and you're instantly in your home space. It has parts of your physical home recreated virtually. It has things that are only possible virtually. And it has an incredibly inspiring view of whatever you find most beautiful. Hey, are you coming? Yeah, just got to find something to wear. Imagine if you live in some Shalanga, if you live in some crappy apartment then you have a, a chance to escape <laughs> anyway sha you just hope they don't take lights <laughs> because yeah it's crazy he's been partnering up with all these people all these social media people partner up with what with that guy that that's huge on tiktok the african guy i know that guy got a bag for sure Got a bag. Moving on, man. Moving on. What else do I have on the agenda today? I have a bunch of things. Um, oh, yeah. This was a recent story that came up. It was about... What was this guy's name? Uzoma? Uzoma. Uzoma. It's a player for the Cincinnati Bengals. He came out with a video recently. And he was, I guess, all these commentators uh, that, that you know, commentate on the games. I don't know if that's a word, but all these people, that, all these sportscasters, they've been pronouncing his name wrong. He happens to be this Igbo guy that happens to be on Cincinnati Bengals. And he puts out this video. It was like a PSA, pretty much telling everyone how to pronounce the name. So let's check this out really quickly. Because I thought it was very interesting how he pronounced the name.
covering our team. Hello, and welcome National Media. It's so exciting to have so many of you covering our team. The Bengals. The Bengals. Cincinnati. Are the Cincinnati Bengals the best team in the AFC North? Like, this is a yeah. team we need to watch and we need to respect. But with so many of you being here that are new, it's understandable that you might need a little help pronouncing some of our names. Specifically, my name, Uzama. It is Uzama shredding the defense. Uzama. These guys are CJ Uzama. We've had him on. Uzama. CJ Halls of Uzama. Okay, it's Uzama. I know the tight end Uzam Uzama. Uzama? Yeah, Uzama. actually played with him for a year, yeah. Played with me for a year, still doesn't know how to pronounce my name. What? And then the pronunciation is Hello. there. It's and welcome he puts U Za Ma. And I, I watched that. I'm like, okay, I know I'm not I'm not Igbo guy or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce it. I'm pretty sure it's something along the lines of Uzama. It's definitely not a U. It's U. And it's definitely not a Za. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of weird that this guy went through all this trouble, right, to correct people. And it appears he can't even pronounce his last name, which... um. Is something that's very common among Nigerian Americans that grew up here in the United States. Some even know how to pronounce, and they just they kind of Ameri Americanize their names, and I find that to be kind kind of disappointing. Why do we do that? We do it all the time, and I'll admit I used to kind of do it at one point. I won't say I did it, but my name is Corey. And people would call me Corey. And there was a time where I would just, people would ask my name and I will just say Corey just because I didn't want them to start saying, huh, huh, huh. And just to just avoid, you know, having to, you know, repeat the name. This was like back when I was in college. I stopped that. I stopped that a while ago. Now I say my name. Even when I'm on the call with customer service, I say my full name, my last name, Corey. And my last name is longer and a little bit more complicated. But I say it, I like I know it's gonna trip them up every time I say it, because I, I say it and they're like, "Oh, can you spell that?" And I'm and I'm I try to be patient. I try to give them grace. I understand that people, you know, it's a different language and people aren't people aren't used to certain dialects and certain intonations. So I give people the grace, and I, I try to be as patient as possible. Now, you know, a lot of times I still tell people Cody and they, they, they hear Corey and I, and I ignore. I don't, I don't always, I'm not one of those guys that feel like they need to always correct you like, oh no, you need to, no, I don't, it, like I get the idea. And if you tried, fine. If you tried and failed, that's fine too. Like if you're not someone I'm going to be necessarily in contact with, with all the time, then I'm just going to move on. Like, I don't need to make a point every time because I see some people do that too. Right? They feel like they need to make a point. Very annoying people. Um, but usually I correct. I try to correct. If it's a Nigerian person, I take exception to that. I take exception. Australia is a Yoruba person. And they want to start calling me Corey. I said, no, it's Corey. Like, I, like I, if you, especially if you grew up Nigerian, as in, in a Nigerian household, um, but there are a lot of 
Nigerian Americans, African, African born or African raised Americans that Americanize their names. The ones that I even hate the most are the ones like you see on Facebook, people will change the spelling of their name and they'll put like Holu Bukolar. And I'm like, why? Why do we do that? You know, all these people that come out talking about white supremacy, people that do that, you're doing more <laughs> to propagate white supremacy than the actual so-called white supremacist. You know what I'm saying? Like, take pride in your name. Why do you have to colonize your name every time? It's annoying, man. And, you know, this guy, I'm not, you know, I think his name is CJ. CJ, CJ Uzoma. Uh, you know, it's possible that this is, uh, like, I don't think... I don't know if he's necessarily doing it on purpose and like trying to like Americanize it. It's possible that that's just how he always pronounces his name. It's very possible. And maybe he just doesn't know. And that's okay too. You know, but I think now Nigerians have been correcting him on Twitter. Like they, they came for him. Igbo people came for him and like, they were like, well, this person that doesn't know how to pronounce his name. Like they've been coming for him. So I, I don't, I'm not necessarily going to assign any kind of, like, he was, I'm not saying he, that's what he was doing, but I see a lot of people doing that. People that know better that are doing that. People that, Johnny just come, we just learned, like, one year ago, go don't get them, then go don't they try remix their names. Why? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with you? You know, and um, I'm hoping he at least learns how to pronounce it well, because it's, it's important that we we maintain our our cultures, these, these little things matter. They matter. They go a long way. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger came to this country, man. He, he, he didn't change his last name. He kept his last name. As complicated as, as that spelling word was. You know what I'm saying? And I think we should be able to do the same. We should be able to take pride. We should stop trying to... to I get it. We have to assimilate to an extent. But you shouldn't, if there's one thing you shouldn't compromise on, it's your name. It's your name. We can't keep diluting our our names. You know, that, that that's that's another form of diluting your heritage. Before you know it, he's telling, this guy is telling his own children, it's Uzama. And then now he's telling, and before you know it, in America, this the pronunciation of this name will be officially Uzama without anyone batting an eye. No, we can't let that happen. We need to call these things out. And I, again, I don't think he's he. Honestly, I, I, I really don't think he knows. I, I just I think he just doesn't know any better. Um, and maybe that's just how he wants chooses to pronounce it. And that's all well and good. But if that's how you choose to pronounce it, then don't then don't make it out to be like some kind of Nigerian ego name, you know? Because that's not what it is. When you change the intonation of some of those syllables it loses its meaning it does that's what happens you know i don't i don't think there's anything like yuzama in Igbo language i don't think it exists you know so it matters it matters um ah oh man the holo book colors on facebook i hate those ones man like ah oh, i can't stand them and they do it all the time and uh, look, I see I, people that are close to me, they do it. Even my wife, you know, and I, I hate to throw under the bus, but, you know, her name is is a lot harder. 
she has one of these names that have Oni in it. And you know, that Oni trips up Americans all all the time. So what she does is she speeds up how she says it. And I always tell her, I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, say your name. That's your name. You know, but I mean, now she's shortened it. So she doesn't have to, you know, remix it as much, you know. But I, like I, I, I tell people around me all the time, I'm like, no, that's your name. Like, that's something that you're not going to compromise. You know, even after we had our daughter, and you know, we were, you know, she we, she kept thinking about okay, so what are they going to call her in high school, or what are they going to call her in school? They're probably going to call her this, and I'm like, that's not something we have to worry about. We're going to tell our daughter how to pronounce her name. It's important because if not, she's going to end up like people like CJ Uzama. She's going to end up like that, not knowing how to pronounce her name. It's embarrassing. You know, I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't care. I I get it. The, all these people, all these Nigerians that schooled here, I think they're a little traumatized because they used to get picked on in high school or something for their names or whatever. But that time is gone now. Everyone is embracing diversity. So embrace your name. Embrace your last name. Embrace your first name. Embrace it all. And don't Americanize it. Don't dilute it for anybody. Take pride. Um, yeah, so I'll end. I'll end on that note. Um, this is a short episode, uh, but I'll be back. I'm gonna be trying to try to do more episodes. Um, but um, yeah, man. Uh, what am I? Let me see if I, I'm trying to see if I have any last thoughts. Let's see if I have any last thoughts here. Um, no, I don't. I don't have any last thoughts. Uh, I think that's about everything that I had. Uh, with that said, uh, you know, of course, don't forget to like and subscribe, hit the subscribe button. Um, if you like this content, feel free to hit the like, hit the subscribe button. Um, I want to engage more with people. I want to, this is, this is a platform that I want to actually reach out to people more now. Um, so, which is why I. I'm, now I'm, I find myself sharing more about myself because I want people to get to know me, but I also I want to engage people. I want to find out. I want to tell other people's stories. I want to be able to have more interviews on here. Um, I have a lot of ideas for this channel, and I want to bring quality, quality content, um, and I want to get as much guidance as possible through the comments, through your interaction, through your feedback. Uh, so please don't forget to. Like, subscribe, comment, um, hit the subscribe button, and I'll catch you later. Thank you all.